Hey, this is Carleone. And this is Logan. And you're listening to The Manifest. And this is our newest episode. What's going on, everybody? This is Carleone, and you're listening to The Manifest Podcast. Today, I have my good friend, Chloe. She's been on the team uh, for a few months now, and um, I thought it'd be cool to bring her in on our um our breakdown that that we're doing currently uh we're doing the breakdown of the hyphen morning session yeah it was a morning session uh by matt tuttle at uh socal hyc and so last week we did uh, a good portion of it um at least 20 minutes of it i think um and now we're gonna probably do another 20 30 minutes of it um this week and just sort of break down our thoughts and uh, things like that, things that uh, caught our attention. Because you were there for this, right? Yeah, I was. It was really good. Yeah, I was there for this as well. But I love going back and listening to messages again because almost every time you're going to be hearing something that you didn't hear before or understanding something that you didn't understand before. So that's basically how we're going to approach this. So, okay. Um, just like I said, remind me if you can hear it or not. It was a process. It was a matter of, did the lightning bolt hit me? No. Uh, ministry it? for me yeah. has always been, okay. always been. I was raised, I was born and into it. You know, um, it was never a time where I was, if we were at church, I was expected to be ministering and that could be cleaning the toilets or setting up the chairs or painting the wall or fixing a leaky plumbing line, whatever it was. But I always had an attitude, God, I will do whatever you ask. And that's, that was my prayer. That was my prayer from, the, from as young of an age at a little junior youth camp. I remember laying on an altar in Oregon saying, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. And, um, and, I, and I did. And I, I'm not to sound vain, but I, I have. And, and I've done that through the voice of my, of my leadership. I look at the voice of my pastor as God's voice in my life. I always have. I looked at it when, when my pastor asked me to set up the chairs, that was God. When my, my pastor, whoever I was serving, because you serve God by serving those over you, this is a kingdom. The Bible says, thy kingdom come. That's the will of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In order for God's will to be done, his kingdom must come. What is a kingdom? A kingdom is a government. It has a king, and then there's princes, and there's rulers, and there's underneath that. Am I right? Okay, so it's government system. That's why there's even a gift of government. Church has government. And so when I submit myself to the government of God, I in turn, am, I am submitting to God. Does that make sense? When I submit to uh, that, that empowers. And so that empowers me. That's why submission is such a powerful, powerful thing. And, uh, um, and so when, whatever I did, that's why when, when, when my, my dad, who was my pastor called me up, I was 28. He said, I was evangelizing. I'm sorry. I was 29. I'd been evangelizing for about six years and I was really preaching. I'd really just started to click. Things were going well. Ministry was producing well. We were full time. I had gone through that few years of extreme sacrifice and, uh, and, and dad calls me up. He says, Hey Matt, um, it, I feel like it's God's will for you to, to go to Holland and pastor a church for one year. 
And, and to be honest with you, I hated Holland. The first 17 years of my life, it was like, get me out of this place. It rains every day. It's cold. There's not a big church. It's small. It's satanic. It's evil. It's just awful. And um, I had no desire to ever go back. I told my dad that. I said, I will never come back to this place other than to visit you. But he called me up. He says, I feel like it's God's will for you to take this church of 27 people and to pastor it. Well, I mean, I'm like, oh. I hung up the phone, and I, and I said, well, let me think about it. And, man, I hung up the phone, and God said, that's never been your answer. My answer was never, I have to pray about it. No, I trust my leadership. I don't even have to. If my pastor says, go pick up the chairs, I don't say I have to pray. Well, let me pray about it. I trust him that he prayed about it. That is, <clears throat> that's an interesting point. I, I, I never really thought of it like that. Um, you know, he, he was saying, so his dad, who is an authority in his life, you know, uh, a spiritual authority is asking him to come and preach in Holland. And he's like, I have to pray about it. And honestly, that's, that's how we normally feel. Like when our pastor tells us something, we just, we're like, okay, we have to pray about it. But like he just said, he's trusting his pastor that he prayed about it or that his dad prayed about it, mm-hmm. you know. That's that's an interesting point. I never really I never really saw it that way, because um, I guess really like if you especially if you're not in the right mindset, you know you could pray and convince yourself out of something that you should have uh, that you should have just go, go, gone ahead and did because someone who has prayed about it already, you know, told you that you should do it. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that's part of being submitted truly to someone in the church is that if they tell you to do something, obviously not everyone, but, you know, the men of God in your life, if they tell you to do something or go somewhere that you say yes without hesitating, without being like, you know what, let me think about it. Because like you said, if you're not where you need to be or even, I mean, most of us probably aren't as spiritual as our pastor or, you know, the head of, like the spiritual head in our life. Um like you said, you can convince yourself or, oh, you know what? No, I'm not going to do this because I have these reasons. And really you're just making excuses when you should have right. right. yes. Okay. I'll do it and trust God. Yeah. Like I said, I, I never really thought of it that way. Like you really shouldn't have to pray about it because you are trusting that your pastor and whoever that was that said it to you, that spiritual authority in your life, that they prayed about it. Otherwise they wouldn't be telling you to do that. You know, his dad wouldn't be asking him to come preach at that church in Holland if, you know, if that's not what he felt from God. So very interesting. Um, good. That's a good point. Good point. Mm-hmm. That's something I definitely have, will have to put in my spirit and think about some more. So, okay. What a Timothy didn't say, well, let me pray about it, Paul, if I'm going to go there. John Mark didn't pray. Let me No, Paul sent them and they went. And they, guess what? They were effective, and they, they expanded. That's how the military works. That's how a kingdom works. The king says, go, and you go. And if you're going to say, he's the master and I'm the servant, then you can't argue with his commands. And I know that sounds militant, but in a way, that's what we've been teaching us since we were kids. I'm in the Lord's army. Excuse, what's the next words? Yes, sir. And when God calls me or speaks to me, it is but he's not going to call you to preach North American Youth Congress first. 
Oh, yes, sir. Everybody's got a yes, sir for that one. It's going to be, let's go to Holland where it's cold and there's 27 people. It's going to be set up the chairs. It's going to be, come on, probably doing a whole lot of background building this set and didn't they do a great job setting up this stage. Somebody did all that. Does that make sense? Somebody set up that whole stage out there at HYC. Somebody in your youth group, somebody gets to your church early and opens the doors. Somebody cleans the carpet. Somebody cleans the pews. Somebody does all that. And guess what? If you've never done that, you'll never be where I'm at if that's what you aspire to be. Does that mean, and I don't mean that derogatorily or negative, but if you despise, if you are, don't despise the small things. For in those things, they are what unlock the great things. Does that make sense? You just talked a little bit about submission, and I know that's something that we personally struggle with as young adults. Some of us do. And so it kind of leeways into our next question. What struggles that you feel comfortable sharing with us as a young adult did you face, and, and how did you overcome them? Well, you know, and like the submission, it's like the curse word of all time. Because, you know, that's, the, that's, the, that's satanic. Satan is a rebel, you know. Uh, and, and never think, Satan's desire was never to, to be greater than God. His desire was to be equal to God. Mm. And so that's why it's a very alive in our culture today. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. We all equal. That's what socialism is. That's what communism is. We all the same. We all the same. And we are all the same. Jesus loves us all the same. But he does anoint and he does call and he does pull out and he does elevate does that make who I'm submitted to better than me? No, it just means that they are in a place of authority over, meaning that I am empowered. The police officer, right. like, let's put it this way. If I'm parked out here in the fire lane, okay, and, and big old, who's the buffest guy we got in here other than me? I know I'm probably the yeah. buffest, but, like, some guy that's really ripped, anybody like, okay, this dude right here, he's pretty tall, stand up. You're like, you big old dude, you know. Okay, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, stand up, stand up real quick, you know. He writes a ticket, and he's like, yo, what's your name? Andrew, I can bench press 437 pounds with my left hand. You know, I'm like ripped. I'm mean. I'm tough. And so I'm parked in the fire lane out there, and he writes me a little. You can be seated. Uh, yeah. We're, hey, you're probably single. You're welcome. Amen. Yeah. Uh, he writes me a little ticket on his little, on his little notepad, you know, pay $200 to Andrew because you parked in the fire lane. Yeah. <laughs> Puts it on my car. I'm going to walk out and be like, Andrew, who? Rip that up. Throw it in the trash. I don't care. But then you got a little girl that's 75 pounds with her little police uniform on. She rides a ticket and puts it on. I'm going to pay that ticket. You know why? Because she submitted. She submitted to the police department. And if I don't pay it, the police department's going to back it up. And, if they, and then they got the military. Next thing you know, I got Donald Trump and bazookas on my door. <laughs> Does that make sense? So she is, who's more powerful? She is. She might only be 75 pounds and not be able to bench press 40, uh, 430 pounds, but she's more powerful. So you can get in and pray 37 hours a day and, and, and do all this stuff, and that's good. That's good. You can know the Bible backwards, wear all white, big peanut brittle, Bible quiz. But, but the new convert that comes in and is submitted and just learns how to say, yes, sir, is more powerful than you. In the eyes of God, he looks down and says, she understands delegated authority. Only, 
Yeah, there's only two times in Scripture. I mean, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So the, everything in my life revolves around faith. I must have faith, right? So if you were God and you, if you were to read Scripture and you could get a compliment from Jesus, the greatest compliment that Jesus could ever give me would not be what I was wearing, how I preached, how I sang, but if he were to say, wow, your faith, right? That's like ultimate compliment. Am I right? There's only two people in the whole Bible Jesus ever complimented their faith. Hmm. Two times that he said, whoa, that's faith. One time was a lady whose daughter had a devil. She went after Jesus. She worshiped him. Jesus, she didn't care what anybody thought. She worshiped him. Remember, she, he said, I can't give you bread. You're a dog. Remember, she, he calls her a dog. And she says, Lord, the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. He says, oh, my goodness, this lady has faith. She won't give up. She's a worshiper. She, then there's one other time. And it was a man who was a centurion, meaning he was a powerful ruler of 100 men. And he came to God, Jesus. He said, I have a need. I have a need back at my house, and you can fix it. And, and Jesus says, okay, I'll come to your house. And you remember what the man said? He said, you don't even have to come to my house. He said, I understand authority. He said, I am a man of authority. And I understand, I'm not like everybody else that has to have a personal visit by, from the pastor. I understand that you can speak, and it will happen. What am I saying? And Jesus said, it's like his mind was blown. He's like, boys, that's great faith. What was the great faith? The faith that he had was the confidence in God's government. He understood delegated authority. Amen. If you could ever understand that and be willing to submit yourself into the system of God. Come on. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. Go, go be by yourself. Go be a loser. But you're going to have to be part of the team. You're going to have to be a part of the team and learn to say, yes, sir, I'm on it. Let me do it and do it with all your might. Okay. So anyway, wow, way off, but good thought. Uh, yeah. Cool. I think you hit it. And I think, I think you really. Oh, and that. my struggles. struggles. What do I struggle with? Yeah. <laughs> so I struggle with submission. Doesn't sound like a lot. I think we all struggle with submission. <laughs> we all struggle with submission. I, I struggle. I, I think you never stop struggling. It's not like, whoa, I'm 38 four kids and I don't have struggles anymore and I think some of them you struggle with because some things are generational you know your family my my, my mother's mm -hmm. side of the family uh, extremely battles with anxiety really really bad so I still do I still have some of that spirit you know spirit of fear some of its generational some of its genetic and um, so I, I battle anxiety uh, fear of failure is, is a major thing that I've always had uh, a need to please people you know like oh I'm, I'm gonna let them down you know and so I I, I, that's something I struggled with. I still do. Um, struggled with when I was a young teenager. I struggled with sports tremendously. I played basketball. You say you struggle with sports. I did. I, I, you know, I played basketball and I was in Europe. Um, and I mean, I'm not like an amazing basketball player, but this when I was 16, I did story. get offered to play for a European League basketball team money. And I could have done that. Um, and it was tempting. Um, probably would have never gone anywhere but I was gonna miss Sunday services and miss church and I knew I was at a pivotal turning point. I think sports really is the God of this world. I, I know that's a very touchy subject in this generation, but because I've battled with it, I, I can 
I can. I do personally now. I've just kind of cut that out of my life. Uh, when I see how people respond to that, when they're filling up stadiums of 50, 60, and 100,000 people, and they're screaming, and they're charging, I mean, $100,000 a ticket to sit courtside nowadays, I mean, that's, if you can't say that, if you don't agree that that's idolatry, I just, I don't see how we can't see that. That to me is amazing to me that we as the church can't realize that lifting our hands, clapping and shouting the name of a man isn't worship. It's astounding to me. But uh, again, that's a very, very touchy subject. I'm going to leave it to you. But for me personally, it was a struggle. So I cut it out. I cut it out. Um, obviously, I'm a man. You know what I find interesting? Is that <clears throat> that's actually like a pretty common occurrence. Like, people i mean specifically even like pastors that i know of or preachers that i know of struggled with um choosing between sports and then and for some it wasn't really a struggle it was just a, a decision that they made between sports and their ministry and like my pastor for example uh pastor brian claiborne i remember him tell him or his son telling me the story of you know he was a very good baseball player and um like good enough to to make some noise uh college and things like that and basically you know his pastor you know asked him to not play anymore because he knew that at one point baseball would become more important than his ministry and so even with victor jackson everyone knows that story he played college basketball was very good could have you know made some noise in the pro or semi-pro area and his ministry called him and so I think, I mean, I never, I mean, I never, I mean, I played sports in high school, but I never allowed it to get to the point where I just did it as a hobby and, and, and to stay active and, and for it to be fun. Um, I don't think I was ever really, I think the people who are good enough, you know, for it to like go somewhere are the ones who struggle with that. Um, I don't know if you ever had any experiences like with that type of thing, you know? Uh -huh. Not with sports, if you know me. I'm the least athletic person alive. Um, but I think with anything that would take precedent over what God has called you to do is something that a lot of times you do have to choose to let go. And I'm not saying you can't have like your dream career and also do what you gotta do for God, but a lot of times it's one or the other. Because for example, say you wanna be an attorney and you wanna go to law school, well maybe you can't do what you're called to do and go to law school because law school is going to take all of your time and you're not right. going to have the time to do what you got to do and so I think with a lot of things it becomes a choice like okay am I going to follow what I want to do like my own desire what my heart wants which the Bible says is deceitful um, or am I just going to submit to God and trust him to take care of me and lead me to where I need to go so. right and that's like so it wasn't sports for me but it was other stuff like the hobbies that I had when it came to video games or um electronics or whatever it was that you know you have to make a conscious decision to and like you said you know he he came out and said it's idolatry i think uh, you know at some point it definitely can be um you know sports and things like that and you know like you said when you fill up a stadium of 50 60,000 you know people and you're coming there to worship and not really worship but to cheer on you know like a, a person or a group of people then that definitely is definitely has some of the characteristics of idolatry um 
And that's a very dangerous place to be in where, you know, I mean, these people spend, you know, however much, however much amount of money and on the tickets. And then um, the whole day, you know what I'm saying? The whole event costs so much money. And then that's money that you don't get to put into um, extra ties or donating it this, this way. And, and so obviously, you know, you want to take it in, um, you want to take it in strides and you want to be a balance. You know what I'm saying? Spending $2,000 on season tickets, you know, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Um, I mean, I've been to baseball games before. Um, The tickets I got were free. And then the second time I went, the the tickets were like, I think for the three of us were like $60. So I paid like 20 bucks a piece. I took me and me and my two best buddies. And so, I mean, obviously you can tell at a certain level, it could definitely become idolatry and how much effort, time and money you spend into it. If it goes above a certain point, you know, above your ministry and above the other things in your life, you definitely have to reevaluate that stuff. So and that could be with anything. Like we said, if you're spending four or $5,000 on camera equipment, I, I don't know. <laughs> and like I said, you have to evaluate that type of stuff because well, I, I think in my case, I, I think I, I've appropriately spent because I've used it for the church and for uh, ministry, for ministry purposes. It also has a, a dual purpose. I have my own personal stuff as well, but it is dual purpose. But if it's not, if it has nothing to do with the realm of your ministry and you're spending so much money and so much time on it, that's definitely going to be start to something that you need to evaluate. So, and I can go with anything like we said. So, um, I think we got about about five more minutes of this, and then we'll wrap up. Okay. So my eyes, um, that will always be a battle, men. It will. It's always going to be a battle. Uh, the man, a young man was sitting on the porch with an old man. He, this guy was like 19. He's talking to this guy 95. And the, young, the 19-year-old says, so, man, at what age did you stop thinking about sex? And the 95-year-old said, you don't have to find someone older than me. (laughs) 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 So, I mean, we live in the most sexualized culture in the history of the world. Uh, It's blatant. You can access it right here. Anything you want. Crazy things. So you better have a filter. And you better have accountability partners. Hey, and I'm not just talking to dudes. Chicks. Y'all crazy too? (laughs) You better have an accountability. There's not a computer in my house that doesn't have, I don't have filter, but what I have is any website that's questionable sends an alert to my pastor and my best friend and my wife. Come on. And I'm a pastor because I I don't, I'm not going to live my life in in any, put myself in a place of temptation. Right. Okay. That's a subject we don't talk enough about. Everybody gets up and says, God's going to deliver you from pornography. Yeah, and you come up and cry, and three days later, you got to take steps, and you got to be accountable. And the Bible says that you got to confess your faults one to another. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you don't have somebody you've confessed and talked to, you will continually fall. Okay, and it's not weak to say, "Hey, pastor, hey, dad, whoever that person is in your Mm -hmm. life, I got a problem, and I need some help." Okay. Okay, you're not the only one. I was in a men's meeting, and I asked the question, how many of you have intentionally or unintentionally ever seen pornography? And I was in a men's conference of a 1,000 men, 
men from the age of 80 down to 18, every hand, 1,000 men, preachers, pastors, went up. We've all been exposed to it. I know it's quiet now, but I'm right. And, uh, and so then you have to take steps, dedicating and disciplining yourself to say, I'm going to live a pure life. Amen. It, it's hard. It is hard. I'm not going to say it's easy. But you can do it. You can, we can do it. Amen. You can maintain purity. It's cool. It's cool. You won't regret it. I did it. I lived in Amsterdam, and I did it. And if I can do it in Amsterdam, you can do it here. I guess that brings us to our next question, and it's, what do you think the biggest hindrance to revival is in our generation? Um, oh, man, that's a great question. I think the greatest hindrance to revival in our generation, I think we're having revival. So I think, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into a negative discussion. I want it to be positive. I think from what I'm seeing, we are baptizing, or someone's receiving the Holy Ghost, what, every 23 seconds. So, you know, I think the devil's trying to hinder us. Um, sometimes we're our greatest enemies, you know. Um, I think our own, I see our own desires, maybe our own. I, I fear, what I fear traveling and seeing is a desire that we have to become like every other church organization that's mm. growing. Like, that we feel we have to have church, our style, our method, our everything has to be like what's branded on the internet by these mega charismatic churches. I believe that what got us here will take us there. I'm, I'm old fashioned. I'm old school. I love what got us here. I don't think we have to change the recipe. I like the recipe, and I think the darker the night, the more we can celebrate the light, the crazier the world gets. And let me tell you, we are in this world that's looking for a banner. They're flying a banner. They're looking for a radical cause. You talk about a radical world. We're in a world that's promoting a man chopping off things so he can be a woman. We're talking about, come on, there ain't no world. There ain't no pastor ever had to deal with that. Like... Hey, Pastor, I just want to talk to you. I don't feel like I'm a man no more. That's the world we're living in. We're living in a world where only 2% of our population is homosexual, but a majority is flying. The, those marches, those aren't being marched. Those marches, gay pride parades, aren't filled with primarily homosexuals. They're filled with people your age that want a cause. Hmm. They want something radical, so they, they tattoo their eyeballs and shave their heads, and they go nuts. This world's going nuts. Crazy to be rebellious. And I'm like, we got the cra You want to rebel? Join the team. You want to be weird? Definitely. Don't cut your hair if you're a girl. Dress like a man if you're a man. Come on. Have church, not a club. We're not a club. We don't need our churches to look like clubs. Come on, somebody. 
Shout, dance, run, roll, scream, be loud, be radical. That's what they're looking for. The greatest hindrance is a fear that who we are isn't enough. No, if we become like them, what draws them to us? That's a very good point. That one right there. If we become like them, what 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 draws them to us? Like what what makes us stand out? Um, if we're like all these other churches and all these other organizations looking to draw people in, um, yeah, I mean, and I think so. What I will say is, I agree with almost ninety percent of that. I think the only thing is like sometimes churches get too caught up in their old ways to where it does hinder them. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen that happen um, where people don't update the songs they, they sing. People don't update the style. They don't update, they don't update, you know, even the colors in the sanctuary or the equipment, you know what I'm saying? Those things, those physical things can be a hindrance in the spiritual. And I only say that because I've experienced that multiple times in churches I've been to where it's been so outdated and so stale, you could sense that, you know, in in the room and in the sanctuary and with the staff and with the church, you could sense that. And so what I will say is like, obviously we don't want to, we don't want to end up like Hillsong, but we also do want to make sure that, you know, things are, that we have a, a, a pleasurable, you know, worship experience. So that means having a good sound st- system. That means having a, a church, a church choir and a praise team that's prepared and ready and practice their songs. Like I don't want to be singing hunky dory and like, of course people can get saved from that, but I feel like it does become a hindrance if people aren't prepared, if things aren't updated and if the mindset isn't correct. And so that's what I'll say. And I think probably in this sense, that's probably, um, that's probably the exception, not the rule. So most churches, uh, the way they're doing things is okay. But I feel like there are some churches and some, some things that we can work on, but that's just me. Um, in my opinion, just based off of the experiences that I've had, you know, living in multiple States and going to multiple churches, that's the experience that I've had. So um, I agree with what you're saying. I think I was listening to more along the lines of first he's talking about um, people, especially our age, they want something to be passionate about. They want a cause. They want something they can yell and scream about and go hold up signs. And that's mm-hmm. great. Like part of the beauty of living in America is you have, you have that right. Go ahead. You can right. do that. Um, and I think it's just, it's really something to keep in mind, especially when you are trying to talk to your friends or your coworkers about the Lord. Like, hey, like, you want a radical cause? Come to church with me. Like, we're different. We are, you know. And and like you said, it is important to be different to where we're not like every other type of church. Like, we have the truth and we need to, you know, because you can have friends that you invite them to church and they're like, oh, no, I go here. Like, what's the difference? And it's like, they need to be able to tell there's something different about you, not even just in the way you dress. Because, I mean, as a girl, I could walk around in a skirt all day. But if I act the way some of my friends who aren't in the church act and talk like they do and do what they do. Who cares mm-hmm. that I have a skirt on? 
at the end of the day. You know yeah. what I mean? So mm. if you really show that like you are different and God has really changed your life, that speaks volumes to everyone around you. Because it's not like, oh yeah, everybody goes to church nowadays. It's like, no, like there truly is something different about you. And you know, you can still be relatable. You can still have friends who aren't in church and hang out with them and it's fine. You don't have to mm-hmm. love Jesus, you know, and talk about God all the time. But you can just show you can just show who you are as a Christian and show your faith without saying a word. So I think it is really important to keep that in mind. Definitely. Um, yeah, I think that was a good point you made as well. Um I think we do have to be different. Um, uh, we do have to stand apart. Um, and that is important. So it, it's, it's about finding that balance, um, between, you know, staying with the times, but also staying, staying current, but also staying, uh, unique and and different. So, and I think the, the message that we have, uh, is what makes us mostly, you know, unique and different. We could have the same church building and same color schemes as other churches, but I think the message that we preach is the most important thing that makes us different and unique. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was really good. I think there's about, uh, it's basically, it's basically done at this point. He just goes on about more of that stuff and then he closes out and then he says a prayer for us. So, um, it was really good. I, I thought in the moment at that time, that was probably, and I, and I think I, I probably bumped it up, but at that moment, that was probably like top 15 messages I've heard. And it's probably bumped up to top 10 now. Um, and just because of the duality of it, I think Victoria asked some really great questions that great, that got some great content, <clears throat> excuse me, out of him <clears throat> going from relationship stuff, all the way to ministry stuff, all the way to, you know, how we should be living and how we should be, be portraying our lives to others type of thing. And so she asked some, <clears throat> man, she asked some really great questions and I feel like the whole thing went really well. And um, if I'm not mistaken, if things go the way they're supposed to, he's supposed to be a speaker at one of our upcoming events. So um, that'll be dope. Yeah. I really enjoyed him. So um, any thoughts? Um, not really. I mean, I also think it's cool the way, because obviously going into it, it was more about relationships. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you talked about ministry and other stuff. And I think it is just, you know, if you didn't understand it before, you really do now how they all intertwine. You can't have a healthy relationship. You can't have a God-given relationship if you can't be submitted to someone. Exactly. Yeah. You can't be submitted to someone if you're not willing to do what God wants you to do. And if it's just stacking chairs or doing registration. And right. Like and so they all truly intertwine. I think that's really that's a really good point. Yeah. So uh, I think the plan is to uh, keep doing breakdowns like this. I think people, you know, people, either they've heard them already and they kind of like hearing our perspective on it, but also there's a lot of people who have not heard these messages. And so the people that listen to the podcast that haven't heard it, you know, we're giving them a chance to hear it. And so I think that, that this is definitely beneficial and people seem to like it. So uh, we're going to keep doing breakdowns like this. Um, other than that, um, we are, we're still releasing <clears throat> that 5k merch this week. So be on the lookout for that. That way you can see if you want to purchase some items, it's going to be a limited time only probably for like maybe a month or so. And then actually I haven't announced this to anyone, but 
um, we are going to be going on our uh, regularly scheduled um, season break pretty soon. So I'm thinking within the next month, uh, we're going to take a month off and then come back with the new season. And that'll have, you know, rebranded logo, uh, a whole new theme. We're going to be going for, um, you know, all kinds of different stuff that's going to be different than this season. So um, I I hope that you guys are uh, willing to stay along the journey for that and, um, you know, stay with this current journey that we're doing. This is season three, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, season three. Season four is coming up. So, all right. Um, That is it for us. Chloe, where can we follow you at? Um, Instagram (laughs) at underscore Chloe. I don't even know my Instagram handle. Is it XO? Um, No, it's underscore at Chloe Bell. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. You guys can find me on Carl's page, Manifest page. Just start typing in Chloe. It'll come up. Let me see. I'm going to find it real quick. But you really don't have to. I'm not that interesting. <laughs> it's underscore Chloe Bell. Three L's. There we go. And uh, I'll also put it, if you're watching the video, I'll put it right here. So, And then follow us at Manifest Podcast. And then follow me at The Uncle Carl. We appreciate y'all's time. Thank you for listening. And then we'll catch you on another episode. Cool. That went well. Yeah. I don't know. I was nervous. I don't know why, but just because I know other people will be hearing. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. For more encouraging messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out past episodes. If you like what you just heard, please consider rating and sharing it with your friends. God bless, and don't forget to be a hyphen.